0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Customer Experience Radio, brought to you by Heineck and Company, real estate advisors specialized in corporate relocation. Now here's your host, Jill Heineck. Welcome to Customer Experience Radio, where top business leaders join me to share their success stories showcasing the customer experience as a legit business strategy. I'm your host, Jill Heineck. And I'm so excited to have Deanne Turner here in the studio today. Deanne was the first female officer at our beloved Chick-fil-A, for whom she served as Vice President of Talent and later Vice President of Sustainability. There, Deanne helped shape Chick-fil-A's historically remarkable culture for more than 30 years. She now speaks to more than 50 audiences per year and consults and coaches leaders globally. In Deanne's soon-to-be best-selling second book, Bet on Talent, How to Create a Remarkable Culture that Wins the Hearts of Customers, she shares her secrets on how to build, sustain, and grow a company culture that attracts extraordinary talent and constantly delights customers. Welcome, Deanne.
1: Thank you so much for having me here, Jill. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: I am so excited to see you, and I have listened to the book, I have read the book, I have marked the book, I have made notes all over the book, and it really resonates a lot with me and um, the whole idea behind surprising and delighting your customer and creating raving fans. I, I just absolutely love that concept. But first, before we delve into it, give us a little bit of background um I think your story is fascinating on how you rose through the ranks in Chick-fil-A, and just give us a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Well, of course, you gave my bio, but uh, I did spend 33 years at Chick-fil-A. I started there as an hourly administrator, and I had some great opportunities to learn from some uh, great leaders and a couple who took... Uh, interest in me, mentored me, championed me through the organization, and I really found that my path was to help others find their path. I started out with a marketing background. I was working for an advertising firm for a very brief period of time before I came to Chick-fil-A, and that was really my passion, but as when I finally received the job offer, they offered me an opportunity to work in human resources. And so, as it was known then, later became talent. And so I focused my efforts there and I really thought I'd end up in marketing. And I haven't ended up in marketing again until I opened my own business, <laughs> um, after retiring from Chick-fil-A. And then all of a sudden I was definitely into marketing. But, uh, anyway, I now, um, I retired about a year and a half ago. I wrote my first book called It's My Pleasure, uh, four years ago and then Bet on Talent released recently here in September. And then I'll be working on another book uh, set to release with Baker Books in 2021.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So tell me a little bit about what your work is looking like now. I mean, how, how are you tying that into your 30
1: plus years of experience with Chick-fil-A? Sure. Well, primarily uh, when I'm consulting, I'm working with organizations that want to either create a remarkable culture or want to strengthen the culture that they have, or they're trying to improve their talent systems. And they're understanding how those two things come together uh, to build a foundation to win the hearts of customers. And you are still finding this work super exciting and rewarding. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I'm, I'm really having more fun than ever. Uh, Chick-fil-A was a fantastic organization to work for and a great brand to represent. But what I'm really enjoying now is the variety of the people and all the different industries that I get to work in.
0: So recently, you just came from Colorado? Were you speaking there? Um, I have
1: to think about it for a minute. But yes, I was in Denver this week. I was with the good folks that w- who really have a remarkable culture already, uh, Canvas Credit Unions, mm-hmm. which are very popular out there. Excellent. Um, so where's your next big event? Uh, Next week, I'll be with Civitas Senior Living out Mm -hmm. in Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to being with another company with a strong culture that wants to continue to strengthen that. I love that.
0: Well, excellent. So uh, obviously, um, we talked about this a little earlier, but I was really excited to see your um, book tour airing on Fox and Friends recently. And then you were also on Barney and Company. That's right. For a second. Uh Um, Do
1: you have any other TV spots um, planned right now? Nothing's lined up. It just usually comes together as I visit, you know, different spots. But nothing, nothing on the horizon as of today. Well, it looks like the book tour is going well. <laughs> I'm ha- I think it's going well. The book has done very, very well, and um, I'm having fun. And I, you know, I love meeting people and hearing their stories and signing their books. So it, it's been a lot of fun. I'm so glad.
0: So, let's talk a little bit about raving fans. I know that's something you you discuss a lot when you're when you're talking to companies about how to continue to build that remarkable culture so that you have the raving fans. And I know Chick-fil-A with Truett Cathy, that was one of the biggest things that he was trying to do um with the guest experience. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, you know, how that all came about? I know, um, I know in the book you talk about how it took 10 years for it to finally become the standard practice that the employees would then say it's my pleasure as a response to customers, similar to, uh, the Ritz-Carlton and how they respond. Mm -hmm. Um, so talk a little bit about, you know, how that became a reality.
1: Sure. Well, first of all, you know, it was so much of who Truett Cathy was mm-hmm. and he taught us all about the importance with a guest, as he called them, mm-hmm. um, to know Their name and to know their regular order and even to know their story, too. And even Mm -hmm. back in 1946, when he started his first business right here in the Atlanta area, that's how he built the business Mm -hmm. was having that one on one relationship. And he did win the hearts of customers years later within Chick-fil-A, even though Chick-fil-A invented the chicken sandwich. Uh, the time came when a lot of competitors were beginning to copy. Mm-hmm. Now, I personally don't think any of them were as as good, Jill, and of I hope course. you don't either. But <laughs> but they were copying the product, and that caused Chick Fil A to focus on customer experience and mm-hmm. customer service, and and you know felt like that could be the big differentiator, and one of the things that came about was this whole idea around um, what do we want the guest to experience? And so Chick-fil-A decided what they wanted was that every guest would experience some element of second mile service on every visit. Now, first mile service, we know what that is. Get the order correct. Be reasonably friendly as you do it and do it quickly, right? Well, second mile service was going above and beyond what the customer expected. Mm-hmm. And so that began a process where at first it was a set of rules, if you will, or mm-hmm. procedures or practices. This is what you do. And then um, what we learned from that is people could follow rules, but they'll that boxed them in. Mm-hmm. And we stepped back and said, so what's the principle to really teach? And so what? was passed along to the franchisees and they in turn taught to their team members was this idea of make second mile, second nature. And so what Chick-fil-A team members started doing, and remember these team members are employees of 2,500 different franchisees. Um, but given that principle, instead of a stack of rules, the way they responded was all of a sudden Chick-fil-A was hearing about team members that were changing tires in the uh parking lot and jumping off dead batteries and going dumpster diving for discarded dental appliances <laughs> and driving 25 miles away to return a wallet or a purse that had been left in the, the restaurant. And so um that was really the big shift. And, and when I think about how, uh, That came about and how successful it's been for Chick-fil-A and why they're known for their customer service. It really goes back to those individual franchisees. They're Mm -hmm. the hero of the story. They taught the principles to their team members and they role modeled it um, by the leaders that they are. And then, you know, I think there's something like 200,000 Chick-fil-A team members across uh, the U.S. and Canada now. And they're learning from their franchisees how to do that. That's incredible and you you do um have a lot of great
0: stories woven within the book and i think that dem- you know that really does kind of bring that point home how the franchisees have been built up and been given the tools to be able to um to to bring this to their to their stores um but there's also that kind of innate passion that you can't teach. Right. Someone to want to do mm-hmm. this and to want to inspire the team in order to deliver the experience and I find that that with many companies is
1: the issue. Right. <laughs> so can you speak to a little bit about that? Sure. Well, I believe in any organization if you're going to have the kind of customer experience that wins the hearts of customers, it starts with two things. It starts with a foundation of a remarkable culture and then secondly, select extraordinary talent right. and then by the way the third part I've, i kind of jumped ahead but the <laughs> third part is teaching those principles that create amazing customer right. experiences and then when you repeat those amazing customer experiences again and again eventually the combination becomes you become your brand becomes known for legendary customer service so let's go back and talk about extraordinary mm-hmm. talent chick-fil-a is a good example of this because Where Chick-fil-A, at least at the time I was leading talent all those years, we put our focus in selecting those franchisees. It was the, you know, we like to say that people decisions are the most important decisions that a leader makes. And of those decisions for a brand like Chick-fil-A, who you give the keys to the restaurant to is the most important Mm -hmm. of all of them. So we put a lot of emphasis and effort on that selection, and you've probably heard the stories about the tens of thousands of people who inquire every year to be a Chick Fil A franchisee versus the number of opportunities that are actually available. Mm-hmm. But uh, as as I went about selecting talent, and, and what I continue to advise my uh, clients now is is that really there are three criteria, and the first is character. Mm-hmm. You want character that matches the organization, mm-hmm. because really the the um, your organization's culture is made up of the combination of the character of everyone who right. works in the organization. So start with character and um, look at somebody's character and their values, purpose and mission as it uh, whether or not it matches that of the organization. Right. And then secondly, you're selecting for competency, mm-hmm. competency that matches the role and um, not just the current role, but I'll give you an example. When I was selecting franchisees at, for Chick-fil-A, I knew there came a point where we went from a mall-based organization to freestanders. Right. Well, that's a totally different mm-hmm. restaurant to run. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, a part of my career where I had to make that shift in my selection that I might be selecting them for a lower-volume mall, but I had to see the potential and competency and leadership ability that in the future they would be able to run a much higher volume freestanding restaurant or maybe two or three of them given the opportunity. And so then finally you're selecting for chemistry Mm -hmm. that matches the team Mm -hmm. and how well someone fits into the team. Are they going to bring the best collaboration um, so that that team can be successful? So that's the criteria that I think of when selecting extraordinary talent and uh, that talent is going to be an important element to the customer experience. So, what I
0: do know about the franchise models is that initially, or part of your customer base starts internally with franchisees because you have probably had to build some kind of experience model internally to once you, you know, select your franchisee and they accept, um, then we have to. Shape them in order to then shape their teams in order to then serve the the end user, the customer in the restaurant, right so can you talk to a little bit about what those processes look like or how are you're counseling your clients when it comes from when it comes from internal to external experience
1: well, when I talk to um, again when I talk to my clients i'm talking uh, one of the things I really focus on this idea is there are certain rules every organization has to have i mean if you're in the food business, you want to have Foods, rules around food safety. Mm-hmm. If you're, uh, you know, if you're an accounting firm, you're going to use generally accepted accounting principles, and right. we could go down the list. But an organization thrives when there's a really good balance between rules and principles. <laughs> and so, when I talk with organizations about this idea of customer experience, um, I do talk about how important talent is. Mm-hmm. And, and for instance, one of the things that I say is, um, when I think about even my experience as a customer, the difference between an amazing customer experience and a poor customer experience is usually just an employee that cares. Right. One employee often that cares. Absolutely. And so start with who you're selecting mm-hmm. and then teach them principles. Things like treat others the way you would want to be treated. Um, treat, you know, I, I used to talk about that um, even in my work in the talent area when we would interview candidates. I mean, it was important. They had a good candidate experience because they were also customers right? right and we didn't want pun intended we didn't want them to leave with a bad taste in their mouth <laughs> right. for Chick-fil-A. and so it was really so one of the things you know when and and candidate experience can be a negative yes. experience and so one of the things we used to talk a lot about is let's treat these candidates the way we would want our son or daughter or our husband or wife or our mother or father treated in the process i think and i talked to uh, my organizations that I consult, I talk about treat those employees the way you want those special people treated in your life. And that's how they'll treat the customer. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the work I do is so much more around principles mm-hmm. than process and procedures. And it's principles for a very select set of talent right. because you have to select talent that can thrive in an environment of principles, if you select talent that has to have a stack of rules, then they they can't deliver on what we're talking about here.
0: Right. So speaking to that, would you say that that also leads to the empowerment of the team to make decisions without to serve the customer in a situation instead of having to run every decision up the flagpole every time? an issue might arise. So, you know, we recently had Hort Schilze here yes. from formerly yes. the Ritz Carlton hotels. And um, he was also on his book tour that launched in March. Mm-hmm. And one of the stories he told us was about um, a front desk reception employee who was, because he instilled a $2,000, um, they had a two thousand dollar budget, let's call it mm-hmm. that that anybody can use in the organization if it means this is to assist and give this guest the best experience they possibly could. And apparently this particular employee got on a plane and brought the laptop left at the hotel to the hotel that this guest was at then and I think it was you know two thousand miles away, right. And, and that is how she chose to spend her budget okay. to please the customer. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think that is an empowerment example in order to deliver. Uh, you know,
1: a, a delight experience. So can you speak to something like that? You know, it remind. I love, I love horse stories about the Ritz Carlton and I'm a huge fan of their brand myself. I love that ladies and gentlemen um, serve ladies and gentlemen there. And I always feel that way. Um, and it reminds me of a, a similar story at Chick-fil-A. It didn't cost that much money, but <laughs> it was the empowerment of a, a particular team member. And this happened back in 2017 uh in Houston, Texas. Mike Ludwig is the franchisee. He had a team member by the name of Jeff Urban who was in the restaurant one day thawing chicken to uh, uh well, uh, back up. It was during Hurricane Harvey. Mm. And um so uh if you remember uh, just a tremendous storm 6 days long. Mm-hmm. Uh 24 um the three, uh, sorry, um, 33 trillion gallons of water fell in Houston during that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, disastrous. People were in their homes. The water was rising. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was happening um, that day at that Chick-fil-A restaurant and they were closed. Um, but often is when utilities and uh, supplies permit, the Chick-fil-A will be open th- to serve first responders and others who have um You know, need food. And so this was going on in the Chick fil A that day. Jeff Urban was thawing chicken for that purpose. And he saw the phone was ringing and he recognized a guest that was very familiar to him, J.C. Spencer. And he thought, well, I'll just pick up the phone and let Mr. Spencer know that I'm, you know, that the restaurant's closed. And uh, he said, he's probably calling for his regular order. Well, when he picked up the phone, Mr. Spencer um, told him, he said, Jeff, I need two breakfast burritos with extra egg and a boat. And he went on to explain that they were trapped in their home and they had called 911 and they had called um, the local police and nobody could help them. So he decided to call Chick-fil-A for help. I mean, is that even logical? Well, it's logical if you're accustomed to somebody going above and beyond. And so Jeff was very empowered to help Mr. Spencer. He didn't say, I'm sorry, we're closed. We don't have any burritos or a boat. Instead, he called his human resources director not to ask permission, but because he knew Cindy's husband had a boat. And so he sent the boat over and uh, they went to pick up the Spencers. They found two jet skis along the way to put them on so they could put their precious belongings (gasps) there in the boat. And so anyway, that's. That um that's just one of many many examples of exactly what you're talking about. People can be empowered, and sometimes it costs a lot of money. In right. worst example, and sometimes it's just about caring and about kindness and about um treating people the way you'd want to be treated. And I think to your point earlier,
0: you know, you have to lead by example, and you can't necessarily teach that passion to want to care for people. But when you are focused on um, the training that that you were doing in principle mm-hmm. versus rules and structure, I think that makes a big impact.
1: It makes such a difference, and I it, it, and obviously it has. Yeah, and I think that I think what you just point out is really really important. It's not just about process, or right. it, I mean, you can have that list of things for people to do, but it's about leadership role modeling it day in and day out, right? And I have no doubt in the case that I just told you about that Jeff Urban saw that in his franchisee, Mike Ludwig, on such a regular basis that he knew exactly how to behave in those circumstances. It's,
0: it's, I think it's incredible. And that, that is the way businesses and people should function during a situation like that. But in any question, any case, when someone is asking for help, it shouldn't be, it should be second nature right. for a company to respond like that, yeah. in my opinion. But, we have a long way to go because there's a lot of companies, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So one of the things that um, I know about Chick-fil-A is that, you know, they're trying to forecast what the customer will want eventually. And how do they meet or exceed those extra expectations today? So how do you coach clients on how to, you know – be a fortune teller or, you know, have ESP and figure this out for a future customer in order to continue to surprise and delight them.
1: Well, I think that, um, I think it goes back to this whole idea of, okay, so if you're in this circumstance, what are you going to want? And I think it's also recognizing trends. And I talk Mm -hmm. about this with a lot of clients. I mean, you know, everybody wants it faster, Mm -hmm. cheaper, um, and, um, so how are you going to meet some of those needs? I think back to, um, even with, um, Chick-fil-A with the drive-through situations, mm-hmm. you know, there were so many different options they could have chosen. They could have built, uh, bigger restaurants, but that was going to help Chick-fil-A with all the restaurants that they had at the time that were already open, right. um, to handle those drive-throughs. And there's all kinds of technological, uh, solutions that you can come up with and i think chick-fil-a did something really great for their customers they came up with both a technological uh solution to their long drive-through lines without taking the opportunity to make an emotional connection Mm -hmm. with the guest and so if you're familiar, when you go to a Chick-fil-A drive-thru and a, a lot of these franchisees, when the restaurants are open, you'll see people out there with an iPad. Right. And they're um taking orders, but they're also connecting with the customer. Right. You could put a kiosk up right. and they could go in and they could put their order in themselves. Um, But then you lose that personal touch, which differentiates the customer experience. I don't think that... Uh, in anything we do, I mean, when you think about all the automation that's going on from, you know, self-driving cars to whatever, I don't think we can, um, you can have excellent customer experience without a personal touch. So regardless of all the automation we do, we have to find ways to keep the personal touch in it to have an outstanding experience because it's the judgment of an individual right. that creates that incredible customer experience. I think about one of my favorite experiences of being delighted myself. Um, it's been a little while, but it's, it's such a good one that I have to share the story. Years ago, my husband and I took a trip to Hawaii. And back in those days, I had a lot of frequent flyer miles. And so we went on this trip on frequent flyer miles. And, you know, they had um, back then when you took a trip and you got the free tickets, you also got hotels and rental cars. Mm-hmm. Now, the key was you had to keep moving back and forth between right. the hotel and the, uh, you know, you'd have to move to a different one to get the next free one from that brand. And the same with rental cars. Well, we hit a snag one day. We were with the rental cars. We turned in one. And we walked across the street to pick up our free economy size rental car in Hawaii. And the place was full of people. The American bar association had just gotten out. The whole (laughs) place was full of lawyers waiting (laughs) on their cars and there were no cars. It hurts that day. Mm -hmm. And, um, they lots of angry people not being very nice at all to the people who were working there. Well, we, we considered our car was free. So we were going to be last in line to Mm -hmm. get a car. And, uh, Anyway, it got time for us to go to a luau, and we said, hey, do you think you could take us over? It's not very far away, and just drop us off, and then we'll come back later. Maybe you'll have a car for us. So they took us over, You know, they drove us in this really nice, brand-new Mustang GT convertible. (laughs) And we were young at this time. I mean, it was like a second honeymoon for us. And so we went to the luau. They picked us up afterwards in the same car, and they brought us back. Well, we got back, and that place was still full of people threatening to sue them (laughs) for not having a car. And the lady asked, the agent asked us if we just stepped to the side and let her take care of one customer and then she was going to get our car for us. And so she took us out back, which was kind of strange. <laughs> and there sat that Mustang GT convertible. And she said, this is your car. She said, we appreciate how much you, how patient you were with us. And she cared about our experience. She cared that our vacation had been impacted, that we had been delayed and she used her ability to serve the customer by providing us a very memorable experience. Now, what I didn't tell you is that's been thirty years ago. Thirty years <laughs> ago, huge. and I've never forgotten it. It's still my best surprise and delight story. That's great. But I'll tell you something more recent because yeah. um, I have another brand story that I love to tell. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know where you shop, Jill, but <laughs> I have a local Chicos mm-hmm. um, that I shop in, and um, the. Glenda and Barry and <laughs> Lou all take care of me there. In fact, they probably know I'm here interviewing you <laughs> with you today, but they, they always ask about where I'm going. Yeah. They know my sizes, my styles, my favorite colors. And they're always ready to not just serve me, but to go above and beyond. They call me when they know I've been looking for something. And I don't have to keep calling back. They call me and say, hey, we found it. It's here. You come by when you're ready. When when I'm out of town and traveling all the time and they have those special giveaways, they always save one for me. (laughs) You know, I mean, they just they and and, um and then the best part is when I go in and they ask me about my mother and they call her by name. You know that's what great customer experience is. You know your customer's name, their regular order, and their story too. And what you're doing, and what
0: you've talked about in the book, is creating personal connections. And and what that does is just create that loyalty um, for for you as the customer, because this is what you're carrying with you. As you say in here, those experiences linger longer, right, right, <laughs> or remain longer with yes. us when you have these positive experiences. And, um, are you hearing like when you're, you know, working with or coaching and doing workshop workshops, are you hearing wh- what are the obstacles that, that your clients are coming up against that are, that they're asking for help with to, to, to try to get to this point?
1: Well, of course, the, the biggest issue right now is the reality of a full employment economy. Mm. This is just very, very difficult to, I mean, it's hard enough just to get somebody there, much right. less um, to exceed customer expectations. So that's what most people are dealing with right mm-hmm. now. And as we talk about that, we recognize that it, uh, in some way, you kind of have to just survive where we are. It'll mm-hmm. change eventually. Right. Um, you know, this cycle of full employment economy, I've seen this three times in the last 35 years, and this by far has been the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will change. And unfortunately, it'll change because the economy will change. And, and what you're
0: meaning by that is it's challenges to get people to, to apply or to come in or show up for the job
1: or uh, it's, a, it's to apply to, okay. to, to, to work there. Yeah. And, you know, I talk about, um, selecting talent versus hiring people. Right. And you read the difference. Hiring right. people, sticking a warm body there, right. selecting talent is finding the right person um, for the role. So when I talk to organizations about this, what I say is we know this is going to happen again, so start preparing now. Work on your culture. Right. Make your culture a place that people will want to come and work. Right. And um, that way when you hit this again, you'll be one of those people waiting in, that have people waiting in line to work for them which actually um some of the organizations i work with their culture is so strong that that's how they're overcoming this current problem people yeah. still want to work from them. they're still the desired employer
0: that is huge and i think um that i think resonates a lot with small companies large companies it doesn't matter and and are you working with specifically larger companies and you're talking about this or you're talking to Uh, companies that are within growth periods? I mean, where are you? What are you referring to? Yeah,
1: I'm working for companies as big as um, $14 billion in in revenues a year. And I'm working with some small entrepreneurial family startups as well. So it's everybody faces that. Um, But sometimes it's easier for the startup because it's easier to start with a remarkable culture you know, and, right. and build those elements in of a meaningful purpose and a challenging mission and demonstrated core values. than it is to go and repair all that later on. I hear that.
0: So um, one of the things you talk about is um, the failure. It's not the failure to deliver the get um, to deliver that the guest remembers. It's how you react and respond when your products or services fail to deliver. And I absolutely love that. Can you talk a little bit more about that and that concept? Sure.
1: Well, p- what people remember is definitely your response. Mm-hmm. And um, you can certainly win somebody back over um, that you've disappointed by the way you respond. So I think the first thing that we have to do is to listen and then apologize and then find a way to make it right. And then thank them again, both for their feedback and their loyalty as a customer.
0: I love that. Um, I think exceeding previous expectations is, you know, that, like you said earlier, the memory lingers longer, like mm-hmm. your hurt story. Um, are you giving your clients any, like, bits of advice or tips on how to implement something like this? Or is it just going to depend on the culture that they're in already?
1: Well... Usually I'm working at a pretty strategic level, Mm -hmm. so I'm not doing the tactical training, to be honest with you. Um, Mm -hmm. We we kind of know what those principles would look like. Mm -hmm. The I I talked about some of them, you know, listen for the feedback, apologize, uh, make it right, and then thank them. That's a good example of some of the things we talk about. But strategically what we're really looking at is if we want to provide outstanding customer experiences and win the hearts of customers, then the culture has to be right, both for the team members and to engage the guests who come Mm -hmm. in and then have the right talent um, that's delivering that. And then the rest of it is a whole lot easier. If you select people with great judgment, then they have the judgment to do what needs to be done to serve the customer.
0: What would you say, and I'm just curious, popped into my head, what would you say is the percentage of your clients' workforce that has to be kind of – Maybe we cut bait because the culture is suffering because of a, I mean, a specific part of the work current workforce, um, you know, and I know being in a full employment economy, that's right. hard because you're, you're trying to bring talent on. Right. So what's, how are we cutting bait if we have to, in order to save the culture? And, and are you seeing a lot of that?
1: Yeah, so most of the people that I'm working with, I mean, one of the reasons they call me is because they're not willing to settle, even right. in the most difficult of times. And so, um, they're trying to, um, continue to move forward. They recognize that there's some hindrances in the economy, um, and in this full employment situation that are holding them back, but there's, that doesn't mean they're willing to compromise. They're just recognizing they have to work harder and bring in more resources to do that. Got it.
0: Um, so what would you, what would you tell companies, um, or, or a word of advice on how they can leverage talent to deliver these great experiences? Is there one thing, one, something, a strategy that they can employ that would be something they could take back today and, and talk to their teams about on how to leverage their talent
1: for the, for a great customer experience or an end user experience? Well, you know, Jill, there's so many things we could talk about. Mm-hmm. I've had one insight. Um, over the last few months that I'll share with you that, that might be a takeaway for your audience. It's not like the big overall strategy, right. but it's just one idea. We'll that, take what we can get. <laughs> that They might walk <laughs> away with. And I get asked this question a lot. Is the customer always right? Mm-hmm. I don't think so.
0: Sometimes, course c- said the same thing.
1: <laughs> the customer isn't always right. The customer is not right when they're abusing an employee, and, and we've seen examples of that. I mean, they make the news and social media when they do that. There are times when the customer is not always right, and what I talk about with my clients is this: don't make the customer wrong. So. I think for an hourly team member, that makes a whole lot more sense Huge to teach that principle. It's like, no, they're not always right, but what you don't want to do is make them wrong. And so anything you can do to correct the situation without having that argument, are they right or are they wrong? It's like they could be wrong, but let's not make them wrong. Let's not make them feel wrong because we want to win their loyalty. What I'm taking away from our conversation right now is...
0: It's perspective. You are changing the perspective of the talent that is, you know, trying to deliver these experiences. You're changing their perspective by tre- training them on these principles. And I think it's, I mean, that speaks volumes for how Chick-fil-A has succeeded. And your impact and footprint on the organization, and as you 're bringing that to the rest of us in the world it 's fantastic um, so where're in customer experience, I know we 're talking about talent, so obviously that 's the number one investment that you'd, you know, you 'd make you know the company would make so is there a second investment a, a a tool or another something else that you would recommend that companies would invest in in order to continue to you know, prop up the talent, but also give them the tools to to, to deliver the experience. A-
1: absolutely. So, yes, I think of all the people decisions we make, selection is the very for, is the very most important one. If you get that one right, then the ones that follow, you know, how they're trained, developed, get promoted, compensated, all of those will be right, too. But you have to start with the right selection. So that really takes me to the second thing I recommend is which now you have this talent, you need to steward it. And so... Um, having opportunities um, for them to develop as a team. I'm thinking about hourly type employees right now, which um, is a lot of where the the struggle is. And that's, right. that really is the person who's serving the customer. So how do you keep them motivated? And part of that is they need that opportunity for constant development. So that can look all kinds of different ways, whether an organization is bringing in somebody to train them further in customer service or they're um, – You know, um, one of the things that I loved at Chick-fil-A among our staff is that we had an opportunity. Every single staff member, regardless of what your role was, you could be the most senior person in the organization or you could be, you know, you could be an hourly employee within the organization. Everybody had a development budget. And so that's a very important part of talent stewardship. And so um, As I worked um uh, with even some Chick-fil-A franchisees, I see that in their, t- they have modeled that um and they have development budgets for each of their team members, depending on what their role is. A leader might have a bigger development budget and somebody else might have a smaller one, but that everyone's getting something all the time. By the way, that's really important to retaining mm-hmm. talent today, but that's an important need of millennials is mm-hmm. to have that development. I think the other thing that, is an important principle, um, when you're working is that you've got to role model the behavior that you want. Mm -hmm. And I talk about it in terms of servant leadership. Right. But it looks like this. So one is when they're in the trenches, you need to be in the trenches with them. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to, uh, and not to ask them to do things you're not willing to do yourself. It's not necessarily, if I'm coaching a franchisee, it's not necessarily their job to clean the bathroom every day, but it's not a bad idea. I knew one franchisee that Every new employee learned to clean the bathroom from her for two reasons. Number one, she wanted them to do it correctly. And number two, it was so that they could, um, see that she's willing to do that. So I think that's a, you know, that's a really another important point. Simon Sinek talks about leaders eat last. Well, leaders need to do a lot of things last when they're setting example. If there's a line, they need to be the last one Mm -hmm. in it. And, um, sometimes that's really hard because it, you, you are afforded privileges as, as the leader. And sometimes you have to step back and let other people have those privileges instead. So I think the idea of this servant leadership is really, really important too. If you, um, to steward the talent and help demonstrate some of those core principles so that they in turn will provide an excellent customer experience.
0: And what I love also about that, um, is that you have the leader in the bathroom, cleaning the bathroom, and it also reminds the leader, of what cleaning a bathroom is and how that employee, what that employee goes through and, and, they say, and as a realtor, they say that every five years, a realtor should sell their house back up and move yeah. so that you can continue to connect with your clients as they are going through this because yeah. we're, we're selling lots of houses every year and we we deal with a lot of people moving, but we physically are, I'm not doing that every time or every five years myself. So I think that's an interesting connection. So what I have done is try to go sit in on the moves so yeah. that I can still connect with that pain and and potentially help them through it um because i know how painful it is i don't necessarily want to do it again but i can i understand that and i can appreciate that principle
1: it, Jill, it's funny that you mentioned that story because that was one of the ways that uh, we did that at Chick-fil-A too, was to connect with what it's like to be an actual team member. So the staff members at Chick-fil-A, now I'm not sure it was always great for the operators. Sometimes I think it cost <laughs> the franchisees, it cost them more money to have the staff members there. And I'll give you a couple of examples, but we dressed in a team member uniform and we went to work and we worked a regular shift and, and uh, one Poor franchisee he had me on milkshakes all day. I think I ended up with more milkshake on me than was served, and that probably cost him money. But I'll never forget this. Another one had the idea that I should stand at the cash register. Now, let's not forget how easy cash registers can be, right? Um Now, because you you just press. Sometimes you just press the picture, right? <laughs> but don't forget right. that customers about seventy five percent of the time now have special. Orders, right? And so um, that's the hard part wow. of it. But anyway, I, our name tags at Chick Fil A had the years of service on mm-hmm. it. So mine at the time had like thirty years of service on it. And I'm at the cash register, and I cannot <laughs> find the right button. And the customer looks at me and says, "You've been here for thirty years, <laughs> and you can't do this yet." <laughs> so from then on out, when I worked in a restaurant, it had my first name only and no years of. I just that said, <laughs> said in training. <laughs> That's fantastic. So did you finally figure it out? Um, I, I never was really good at that. I, I was best at, um, what I love most is walking around the dining room and cleaning up messes and talking to guests and thanking them for coming to eat. Hey, listen, you know where your strengths are. You're going to go around and connect with the guests. Yeah. Every restaurant needs that. Now, uh, whoever thinks that, uh, I mean, there's a lot of skill, um, to, for whether it's a cash register or preparing fresh made food in the back, or especially running the drive-through that's the uh, busiest part of the restaurant.
0: I love it. So tell me, is there any, um, special way that y- you, um, at Chick-fil-A or now in your business are helping clients measure customer experience?
1: Well, um, again, I'm, uh, most of my work is not at the detail level of, right. of that, um, but they're, you know, most every organization that is trying to uh accomplish a better customer experience, of course, is measuring it. We can't get better at doing something if we're not measuring it. You know, when I was at Chick-fil-A, and, and there are numerous ways that that's measured um mm-hmm. through customer service right. monitors and so forth. And I, um but one of the things that we did is it was such a big part of our mission statement. And so I talk about in the book that a, um, remarkable culture includes a challenging mission. So at Chick-fil-A for years, their mission was to be America's best quick service restaurant. It's satisfying every customer. And again, they didn't just use one measurement, but they had several measurements mm-hmm. that they used to determine when Chick-fil-A franchisees and their team members achieved that mission. And once they did, um, then we set a new mission and that new mission I loved because it was two words and it's easy to remember B Remarkable, Mm -hmm. And that meant to be remarkable, first of all, in the product, excellence in that. Secondly, be remarkable in service. And that was defined by going above and beyond what the customer expected. And then lastly, create remarkable experiences. And so you see that at Chick-fil-A, not just in these random stories that happen like the boat that I told you about, but very intentional things like um, daddy-daughter date night that happens at the restaurant, things like that. So um, that's really um, – so when you're measuring, I think one of the most – there are all kinds of tools to measure with, and I don't really have a recommended one because there are right. so many great ones. I think the importance is is that you're measuring against a goal that people uh, really can rally around mm-hmm. and that, um, that causes um, the organization to move forward and not just measure for the sake of measuring but actually um, to achieve an important mission.
0: I love that. Um, there is, so I saw that you are now on Amazon UK. Yes.
1: (laughs) A friend sent me that. It's like, okay, um, Chick fil A has a, I, now I don't know this for a fact. I I read this just like any other customer, but I understand they're piloting a new restaurant. That's what I read in the media. So, um, (laughs) not heard that from any confirmed source, but I read in the media that, in Reading, UK, there's a pilot restaurant going on in Chick-fil-A right, for Chick-fil-A right now. So I'm hoping a lot of them want to read Bet on Talent and learn a little bit about. While they're um, sitting the at principles. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah, that would be terrific. And if they want to send me a picture, I
0: would love to see that. That would be fantastic. So tell me, um, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my website is DNTurner.com, D-E-E-A-N-N-Turner.com and all, most all the social media platforms, um, LinkedIn, uh, my Facebook author page which is DN Turner Author and on Twitter and Instagram I'm at DN Turner Fantastic.
0: I so appreciate you taking the time out to be with us today. I mean this, this is incredible information for our listeners and we wish you the best on your book tour. Thank you so
1: much Jill. It was my pleasure to be here.